or let me rephrase that. Let's praise and worship. Um, this is Ben. Ben is going to do uh, this morning's reading, and uh, it's going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. He'll say the verses, so if you have a Bible, you want to open them up to Hebrews chapter 11, and um, yeah, welcome Ben. Good morning. Um, so yeah, chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, and then 8 to 16, so turn with me there. Um, so we've got faith in action. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children, because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith, and when they died, or all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw uh, them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Thanks, buddy. No, I need this. That's the word of God right there. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for this morning. Um, it's good to be with you, Lord. And we know that you're with us uh, everywhere. But it's so cool to join with, like Melinda said, just our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ and um, our church family, where we can come and we can like declare those, those amazing things that we were singing about and that we can be like this, like Abraham. We're looking for a country um, not of our own building, but of your building. So we look to you this morning. We open up your word, and we ask that you would take your word, the things that are true, that you have written and declared to be true, and we ask, Lord, that you would imprint that upon our hearts and our lives and our church in our city, in our world, that we, like those that have gone before us, could be called people of God, people of faith. So we love you. We ask that you would help us to take in the things that you want to give us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> so we're going through the book of Genesis. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Uh, Happy New Year. It's the 7th. Happy January 7th. Um, as we've been going through the book of Genesis, uh, has anybody been stoked on it, by the way? It's been really good to just see, like, everything that we see and know, it, it came from a place. Uh, it actually didn't just come from a place, it came from a, a person, a being, um, one who uh, is all-knowing. He knows it all. Um, all-powerful. He can create light out of darkness. He can create perfect amounts of gravity. He can create flesh and bone and spirit and breathe life and create a living being. And one who is, he's perfect. He's holy. He's just. Um, and he has a way for us to go forward in a fallen and broken and hurting world. And we see from the very beginning that the inclination of the human heart is to rule oneself. That's the original sin that the devil himself fell because of. 
not wanting to give God his proper glory, but want to be gloried in himself. And it was his temptation to Eve and Adam in the garden, and it's still our temptation today. But as we start going through Genesis, we see this person who comes on the scene, Abram, who is living um, not like the rest of the world. There's something different. And then you get all the way to Hebrews, like way later in the Bible. And it's like um, the book of Hebrews, it's like, does anyone like, like uh, mystery movies? Or if you're kind of a nerd, mystery books. Um, when you get to the end and there's that one scene, uh, that was a joke. If you like, if you like books, that's fine. I like books. I like books, too. There's just so many words in there. Um, but it's like when you get to the last pages or the last scene where all bunch of stuff comes together, and you're like, oh, 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 yeah, I thought that's how it was. Or it's the scene where if the person in your family hasn't been paying attention, they're like, what's, and you, there's a scene where you're going, shh, shh. It's all making sense. Hebrews is like that. The stuff we read today, it, we can read it on its own, Hebrews chapter 11, or we can understand it's talking about something. These people in Hebrews chapter 11, this, this chapter in Hebrews, by the way, it's called the, the Hall of Faith, Faith, Faith in Action, some would say, but it goes through like uh, what that song I sang, God is the, that we sang, God is the same God, and we talked about these people. Um, it's the same, that's what Hebrews chapter 11 is. It's like, hey, all of these people, and you read it, and this is what God did in their life, in their time with where they were at. It was talking about real people, real things that had happened, people who God worked in their life and through their life. People who saw things differently. We call these people of faith. And Abraham, Abram will be, his name will be changed to Abraham and he will be given this title, the father of faith. I was thinking about this message this week and I couldn't help but think about this song that came out quite a long time ago. Because when you, well, let me just read to you these lyrics, and I think you'll know what I'm, talk what I'm talking about. It's this uh, country song. Any country fans out there? Dude, be loud and proud, people. There, the people who don't like country, they're plenty vocal. So it's time that we just stood up and let it be known that country's, country's cool. Yeah. All right, maybe you know the song. It says this. It starts out with a kid talking, and he says, Grandpa, what's this picture here? It's all black and white, and it ain't real clear. Is that you there? Grandpa says, yeah, that's me. I was 11. Times were tough back in 35, and that's me and Uncle Joe just trying to survive a cotton farm during the Great Depression. Then if it looks like we were scared to death, like a couple of kids just trying to save each other, you should have seen it in color. This black and white photo and this kid, I always think about when you look at pictures with your grandpa and you talk about what was it like in your day, grandpa, it's cool, but you just see this snapshot and then he tells you a story and you're like, whoa, grandpa was hardcore or they went through so much stuff. Grandpa was young once. He did this stuff. They did this stuff. I love the second verse. Oh, and this one here is taken overseas in the middle of hell in 1943 in the wintertime. You can almost see my breath. And that was my tail gunner, old Johnny McGee. He was a high school teacher from New Orleans, and he had my back right through the day we left. And if it looks like we were scared to death, like a couple of kids just trying to save each other. You should have seen it in color. And then the best verse, it says, this one here, Grandpa said, is my favorite one. That's me and Grandma in the summer sun, all dressed up the day we said our vows. You can't tell it here, but it was hot that June. 
and those roses were red and her eyes were blue and just look at that smile. I was so proud. And that's the story of my life right there in black and white, but you should have seen it in color. Abraham, Hebrews chapter 11, there's some pictures. But what was it like when we see, when we read this, that these people were people of faith and they were looking for something in the future that God would do and they died in faith having it not all be accomplished. It was, and we look back and we're like, oh, gay God, go Christians of the Old Testament. But it's sort of like, go back to Genesis and you're going to see it in color. And that's why God spends so much time with these stories of these people in process and what it looks like to have doubt and faith and fear and keep going. So let's turn back to Genesis and we're going to spend our time this morning in chapters 14 and 15. Because from here on out in the book of Genesis, the emphasis is on one family. It's not on all these families. Emphasis is on one family. There'll be other families and people that come in and weave in and out, but the, but the focal point will be on one family, one bloodline. The one bloodline that will bring forth the promised seed mentioned in, back in chapter 3. Do you guys remember that? When God pronounced a curse upon the serpent and a, and a blessing upon the woman, um, the woman, and he said, for the serpent seed would crush the woman's seed. Anyways, there's going to be a fight, and the serpent was going to crush the woman's seed, or hurt the woman's seed, but the woman's seed was going to crush the serpent seed. Now, throughout all of the Old Testament, we just celebrated Christmas, which is Emmanuel, which is where the seed of the woman from God came to earth to be in a physical body and show us who God is, what God is like to live. The whole point is coming from Genesis chapter 3. If you go to the Old Testament, you can just trace a line through these people that are being talked about that come to Jesus. Abraham is the one that Yahweh, God's name, God promised this great honor to. So there is so much recorded about Abram, who would become Abraham, who would father a people who would become a nation. This nation would be, come to, to be known as the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. They would be a people who would live in a world governed not by the laws of the land, but by their own subset of laws. You could call it a religion. They called it faith. It would be the Ten Commandments, the law and the prophets. They lived in the world, but not of the world. They, they lived on, on their own uh, like, uh, rules that God had given them. Starting with the Ten Commandments and all the various laws given in the first five books of the Old Testament. But when they spoke of their faith... Even in Jesus' time and even now, they always go back and say things like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham would always come up when they spoke of their faith. Their heritage would always come back to him. He would be known as the father of faith in the way they live. They would focus on the laws and customs that God brought forth to Abraham and through his family line. This is important. Because they would focus so much on the laws and, the, and the, the commandments that God gives Abraham, they would miss the point that Abraham wasn't a black and white picture back then, but he, there was a life and it had color and faith and vibrance and doubt and fear and all of this stuff. And they would miss and he, they just make them some rules. Father Abraham. I want to preach a message this morning that as I was just going through these chapters, I was like, man, this is so good. And I know 
as we were praying before service. This is the heart of the core of our church, the people that have been around. You know who you are. You're the ones that when God provided this building a couple of years ago, you're the ones that stuck with us when we did a whole year of teaching online and nobody, 50 weeks straight during COVID, we lost our building, we had nothing, we're doing the best we can with what we have and we're seeking God together in the best way we can, which was online and I was preaching my guts out and people were leading worship. And when we finally got a building and the 30 of us or show that, sh that showed back up and we didn't know where everyone else was, but we were just, here we are. I know this is your heart. I thought about you guys when I was preparing this, but all of the m many people in here that have made the bridge their, their church home and family in the past year, um, I, I believe this is your heart as well. Here's what it's called. Four ways to grow in your faith in 2024. It's real catchy. I know. That's just it's got a nice ring to it. But I want to talk about four things that we see in Abraham's life that add color to this black and white picture of this holy person in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you a practice that he did, and I believe a principle behind it. If you're a note taker, you should jot these down. If you're not a note taker, you should start because God is speaking to us through his word and he has plan and path and purposes for you in this next season of your life. And I believe these are four of them because God wants you to know that he is closer than you think. So let's look at Abraham's life. I'm going to give you the first practice and principle, and then we're going to look at some verses in chapter 14. The first one is this, way to grow in 2024. Get in the game. That's the practice. The principle is this, a life of faith is a life of action. Chapter 14, it's kind of where we pick up the, the narrative is where we've been going, and it starts out with a backstory. We're going to go through two chapters, so I'm going to give you some backstory, and then we'll grab a chunk of verses, all right? The backstory is this. Abram was living in tents and following God. Lot chose this area to the east, close to Sodom and Gomorrah. Abram's like, you do you. I'll take what God has given me. So he's over here camping kind of far away. During that time, they were in this big area ruled by nine kingdoms. Just think, um, how do I don't know, Game of Thrones or something like that, where there's lots of kingdoms and they're battling for power and land and all of that. Like that wasn't just that stuff's not made up other than like dragons and stuff. Anyways, just think about those pictures. That's like a real thing. So there were nine kingdoms happening, but all of these sub kingdoms, walled cities, they were all under one king's rule at the time. So they all paid taxes and homage to him, and he was kind of like the big dog. And living under the rule of one king. This treaty worked for 12 years, but in the 13th year of this treaty, four of the kingdoms decided they didn't want that anymore. So they rebelled, went and did their own thing, and then the four had a battle with the five on five's home turf. It was a road game in the playoffs. And four won. They beat the five. So they came into Sodom and Gomorrah. They rebelled against them, battled, took all of their people, all of their resources, all of their food, took everything, thrashed all of these villages. You can look online at the archaeology of this time was crazy because it was just a swath of destruction. And Lot and his daughters and his family who chose to live there were taken captive. They were POWs, prisoners of war. Let's pick it up in verse 11. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food then went away. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. A man who had escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. 
Now, Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre, the, the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol and Anner, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men to attack, to attack them, and he routed them. That means he put a beat down. Pursuing them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus, he recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people. Each one of these verses, there's a whole message in it. But we're grabbing um, a big, a big uh, chunk today because I want to talk about some practices and some principles. Okay, so it was reported to Abram that Lot was taken. What did Abram do? He used everything he had, all the means at his disposal. Remember last week, one of the last things I said is you can't choose other people's faith path. You may want to, like your family, when Lot says, I'm going this way. And you're like, I don't know if that's the best decision. But sometimes we have to let the people we love, even if it's our children, family, parents, people that are close to you, we have to let them go and make decisions, hopefully, that will lead them to a place where they come back to God or come to God for the first time. But Lot chose this in his life, and Abram, at one point, he just had to let him go. But he says, as for me and my household, we're going this way. We're serving God. I've been down that road. I don't want to go back. This is, this is who I am. This is how we're living. And then it gets told, yo, this happened. A, um, Lot, your family, they were taken. He could have been like, well, I told them. That's what happens. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. Instead, he said, what do I got to do? Let me give my best men, 318, trained. He had his own people to protect. His own resources that he'd been working tirelessly and hard to build this household. But he sees a need, and he's like, I'm getting in the game. That's the whole point. That's the practice. And so he gives what he has to serve someone who did, may or may not deserve it, but he loved him. And it was something that an opportunity was presented to him and his household, his wife, they got involved. And here's the deal. And this is a principle that God will do, okay? You ever heard the story in the New Testament where God feeds, feeds 15,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread? Here's the principle. God can do a lot with a little. He's not asking for a lot from you. He's just asking for everything. You give me all you got. It'll never be enough, and you watch what I'll do with it. That's what God would say. So he gives this. Uh, Abram does, sends these people. They get Lot and his family back. Somehow, these well-trained men and their planning, they struck at a strategic time to when the enemy maybe was weak and they got all these people back. Not just his family, but all the people from Sodom and Gomorrah who didn't know God, didn't love God, will, would choose in their lives never to turn, got them all back. God used Abram not just to be a blessing to his family, but a blessing to the world. Gosh, that sounds sort of like what the church is. As we are seeking God and seeking to be faithful with what he's doing in our lives, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Therefore, let your light shine so before the world that they'll see who you are. And they'll give glory to God because they will meet God one day. Whether it's this side of their final breath or on the other side, we will all stand before God. And if I always think about if my life comes up in someone's backstory and they're like, tell me about the, I, just, I don't know why, but I, I have this picture that someone is standing with God. 
and they're going over their life and just talking about stuff. And then it comes up, oh, tell me about the time that you lived in Bellingham. Oh, yeah, you visited the church. You visited the bridge there, right? What was that like? What were those people like? I just imagine that what people could say, or if someone met me, or if I worked with them, or I did a tree job for them, or met them on the street or on the mountain, and like, oh yeah, you met JJ, what was he like? And if they're like, man, that guy was just a jerk. That would be a, uh, an L, that's a loss. <laughs> but if someone says, man, that, those people at that church, they were kind to me and they saw me. And if someone could say, the time I spent in that place, I learned more about who you are, Jesus, and what you're, what you're really like. They, the way they loved, the way they lived, drew me closer to you. It didn't drive me away. That's what I think is a, is a win. Because God works through your everyday life that looks very black and white and kind of whatever from other people's point of view, but it's full of color and beauty and God is doing stuff. And as you get in the game, because a life of faith is a life of action, God works in you and through you. So if you want to add some color, if you want to grow in your faith in this new year, get involved in what God is doing. Get in the game. There's some battles out there. You have some ability to get in and fight on someone else's behalf, to exercise your faith, to exercise what God has blessed you with, to be a benefit, not just it'll be a benefit to you and also to others. I'll say this as we go into this year. It'll be, there's aspects of this year that I'm like, okay, let's freaking go. It's going to be intense in some ways. And we can't do everything, right? I just can't do everything. It's true, but you got to do something. The second one is this. Make worship a priority. That's the practice. The principle is this. A life of faith is a life of worship. Skip down to verse 17. After Abram returned from defeating... Sometimes I should practice pronouncing these before... Kedor Laomer, he's a mountain biker. Laomer. If you mountain bike, you got that joke. And the kings allied with him. The king of Sodom, so he, he, he did all this. He, ret he returned from defeating the four kings. When he did, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaba, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, Salim brought out, which is where we would get Jerusalem, which is where we get Salem, peace. So Melchizedek, um, where am I? King of Salim brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of most God Most High. Verse 19, and he blessed Abram saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth and praise to be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then, then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, so that was the king of Salim spoke. And then the king of Sodom says to him, verse 22, uh, excuse me, verse 21. Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. So all the people that you were able to rescue. He's like, give me all my people back. You keep the money. You keep the spoils of war. Just give me my people back. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, with raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you. Not even a thread or the strap of a sandal. Why? So that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. He's like, you'll never be able to hold anything over me. Like, I did this for Abram. I did that for Abram. He's like, no, no. I will say, God did this for me. I will never say, you did this for me. 
I will accept nothing. But when my men have eaten and share the and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, let them have their share. A life of faith is a life of worship. If you want to grow, only you can answer that. I believe you do. I do. Make worship a priority. Abram had dealings with two kings, the king of Sodom and the king of Salem. The king of Sodom we know about. The, the city of Sodom we're going to talk more about. He was not your friend. Not out to bless, but to take. He's a type of the world's system. Not out to give, but to get. And then you have the king of Salem that we're told, Melchizedek, which you get a snapshot of him also in the book of Hebrews later on. It says this about this, this person that kind of comes out of nowhere, says some crazy stuff about him. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of Most High God. He met Abraham, returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. It also means king of Salem, which means king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the son of God, he remains a priest forever. So we're given a king of this world, and then we're given the sort of figure that there's a lot to be said about Melchizedek. Who was he? Where was he from? But we're told here some cool things. You could circle them if you're reading your Bible. He was both a king and a priest. Well, who else is a king and a priest? Jesus. We're told that he, is a, um, that he has no beginning without genealogy, without beginning of days, or without end of life. Who else fits this description? Jesus does. He remains a priest forever. Who is our high priest forever before the Father? Jesus is. See, it's Christmas. Jesus was born from a virgin as a baby, but he always existed. So this is what's called in the Old Testament a Christophany, or you can call it what you want, but it's where God takes um, a physical form to meet with someone. And in this case, uh, he meets Abram. And Abram kind of has these, king, these meeting with these two kings. What's the point? Because this is so fun. I could geek out on this stuff and talk di different things and go through all the verses in the Bible. But there's a point. The point is this. You are a worshiper. You are. You worship something. You worship someone. Worship. How do, you, do you want to know what you worship? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Because I was trying to define it. What is worship? Here's what I'll say what it is. It's what your life is aiming at. Me and Ollie, were and Jonah too, we were shooting uh, guns the other day. And um, we were aiming at some cans. And this one, there are pellet guns. This one pellet gun, like uh, the, the way the sights line up is different than the other one. But we, I was just, I just have this fresh visual of aim. And one of them was shooting a little bit low, I think. So you needed to aim up just a little bit. But when you're looking through the sights, the thing that you're aiming at, that's what you're shooting. It's very, um, that's deep, right? It's not. It's like you're like, there it is, Coca-Cola. We're Christians. We don't shoot beer cans. <laughs> As a joke. Um, 
our lives are aiming at something. They're always, they're, and here's what can be really stressful. When you find yourself in a season where you're aimless, no direction, no goals, you actually need to get into a place where you need to get some aim. Where do you want to go? What are you aiming at? Where do you want to be? There needs to be some sights need to start getting set. This shows us that Abram had those things. He was aiming at something. And when the king of Sodom comes and it was just like, oh, you're so rad. I, other people were dissing the church, but not me. I always knew you guys. I always knew you were a good dude. I got a deal for you. Let's go into business together. You keep this. And I'll, I'll give you a call when I need 318 trained soldiers to do something for me. And Abram was like, I don't think so. I don't work for you. You take everything. I was serving God. And then God meets him and says, let's have communion. They had, he brought bread and wine, this person. And there was this act of worship. He knew who he was. He knew what to do because his life was aimed in this direction. Abram purposed in his heart to aim his life toward God and his purposes for his life. In 2024, in this next season, a prayer of mine for me and for you is that you would aim your lives at Jesus. That's what worship is. It's not just singing. Do you know what we're doing when we're singing? We're aiming our hearts to Jesus. When we're like, raise your hands. When songs talk about raising your hands and you're like, maybe it's just me, but you sing about raising your hands and your hands are at your side. I raise my hands, but I'm not really. And then I go over here. The idea is that you do with your body with what your spirit is doing. We're aiming to the Lord. Our acts of worship, our acts of business, our acts of giving. He gave him a tenth of everything. You know that you know, we actually we prayed for our tithes. Do you know where that comes from? From here. Way before there was ever a law, which will be given in Leviticus, about how people were to honor the priests and go in the temple and make sure that the priests were taken care of and the temple workers, they were to, to give a tenth of their income and take it to the storehouses so that there would be plenty in case there was famine, so the priests could be fed. Like that was a law that would get passed. People just made it all about the law in the New Testament. And Jesus is like, no, man, go back before that. What did Abraham do, Abram do when he met with the Lord? He was moved. He gave a tenth because that's what his life was aiming at, not because he had to. If you want to grow in your faith. He avoided the treaty with one and he gave a tenth of everything he had to the other. If you want to experience more of God's power and presence in your life, this is what I put for this one. Make sure you make investments into your soul and not just your bank account. You can stack cheddar in your bank account and be very empty at the end of the year. The whole point is Abram said, I will not, as a matter of fact, I will go out of my way to make, to make sure my life isn't aimed at getting. But it's aimed at giving all to God. That's a life of Worship. If you want to grow in your faith, aim your lives at Jesus. The next one is this. If you want to grow in your faith in this new year in 2024, listen for God's voice. The principle is a, a life of faith. Trust God's word. Look at what happened after this. After this, verse 15, or chapter, 15, chapter 15, verse 1 says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. 
Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Then he took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then God said to him, So shall your offspring be. Verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. All right, I'll fly through these last two. Something interesting. This is the first time believe is used in the Bible. And this is the first time righteousness is used in the Bible. About this thing that just happened with Abram and God. So what did Abram believe and what made him righteous? Abram believed God's word. And did you notice that God spoke to him after he purposed in his heart to aim his life to him? After that last thing went down, after this, God spoke to Abram. Sometimes God speaks after there's a step of faith or a change of direction or an asking or an opening up to God's voice and an intentional listening. He believed God's word. He took God at his word and aligned his life accordingly. He believed God's power. How is this going to happen, Lord? Abram was 75 years old at this point. Past childbearing. Spoiler alert, which you can read ahead, by the way. It would be another 25 years, I think, 25, 15, was he 100 or 90? I'm forgetting. Anyways, it would be another 15 to 25 years before this happened. Before he had this child and his wife, imagine her, the pressure. She was so far beyond being able to give birth that it was, she laughs about it later on. But it was God's promise. They aligned their lives according. Living by faith sometimes looks crazy to people, but when he moves in your heart and you aim your life at him and you start moving forward, God can do the raddest things. He believed God's power. How is that going to happen? You know, I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but I'm going to keep going this way. And I'm going to let God be the one who opens the doors. I'm going to let God be the one who brings me a spouse. I'm going to let God be the one who opens a door for a job. I'm going to let God be the one who helps me to get my finances in a place that maybe one day we could own or buy a home. I'm going to let God be the one that will do the power stuff. I'm going to do the obedience stuff. He believed God's path, so he kept going and trusted that God would lead him. And that's what righteousness is. There's two types of righteousness. There's self-righteousness, which is you trust yourself to make it happen. Accomplished by your own efforts. And there's a righteousness given to us by the work of someone else. That's what is talking about Abram here. He saw his, God saw his faith and he gave him the righteousness due to him based on what God would do. Since none of us can be good enough to accomplish perfect righteousness, we have to have God's righteousness that's accounted to us, it's an accounting term, given to us by doing just what Abram did. He believed the Lord. He believed God. They, they use this verse a lot in the New Testament. Paul uses it anytime tr someone tries to say, here's what you got to do for God to like really like you. You got to do this. You got to do that. And there's like, no, you don't. You believe. That's why people are like, well, how do you give your life to God? He or she who uh, 
confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised them from the dead, they will have eternal life. But then you're like, okay, sweet, now you're doing it. Now here's all the stuff you got to start doing. It's been that way forever because faith and works and this whole deal about walking with God, it's a relationship. It's, it's, there's color. It's not black and white. It's like, so now what do you do? Aim your life to God. Now what do I do? Listen for his voice. Now what do I do? Do what he says. And as you do it, you naturally start worshiping God with your life. It's a priority. You see with his eyes. You feel with his heart. But the righteousness that you were given, it's not because you're doing those things. It's because you accepted Jesus into your life and Jesus was righteous and you get his righteousness. That's how, that's Christmas present. Merry Christmas. It's these things that work together. Belief and righteousness. No one could say Abram was made righteous because of his obedience to the Ten Commandments. This, what he's talking about here, was before the Ten Commandments. Oh, no. My iPad just died. Every person who teaches from an iPad's greatest fear. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. I would be afraid that it would die. Well, it just did. But it was charged, so we'll see what happens. Um, no one could say that Abram was, was right in God's sight because he followed the Ten Commandments, because he lived before the Ten Commandments. No one can say that Abram was set apart for the works of God because he was circumcised, which will be a sign of the Jewish faith forward because all of this happened before that. Sweet, we're back in action. It was faith and faith alone that, that caused God to account Abram as righteous. Last one. I will move very fast. Show God your heart. If you want to grow this next year, don't hold back where you're at. Show it to God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I don't know if you noticed, but on all the verses we read this morning, Abram asked two questions. How and when? How in the world are you going to do that? And when? It's like I've been waiting forever. Like, wh when are you going to do it? I want to let you guys all know. Let the Lord remind all of us. Faith isn't the absence of questions. It's actually, it's trusting in the midst of questions. It's trusting God, what did I put? It's trusting God's promises more than your doubts. So that just allows you to be honest with where you're at. Because if you're honest about where you're at, then it gives us a good baseline for where we can look back to and be like, whoa, here's where I was at. and Look at what God did. And we can say stuff like, whoa, God answered my prayers. As opposed to, where are you? What are you going to do? We can look back and be like, dude, that's crazy. God answered my prayers. So Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. It's kind of like those song lyrics we read. Tells us what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's substance. You can hold, you can touch it. It's evidence. It's like, see? And then we read through the, and we see these different people who had faith. One of them was Abram. We're reading about that. But at the end of the faith chapter, it's like the author switches the script a little bit and he points right to us. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, all these people that have gone before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, because this is our time. Let us, not fixing our eyes on Abram, but because of his life, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the aim of this church. This is the aim and prayer for you. So let us aim our lives, get involved in what he's doing, put his kingdom at the top of our list, put his word in our heart, and share our struggles with him and others in prayer. And when you share your story one day, where you're at in your life right now, listen, you guys, last thing I'm going to say. God is doing something in your life right now. It's a good thing. Even if he's tearing some stuff down, what he's doing is a good thing. And one day you're going to talk to someone and you can't even imagine what it is because this kid doesn't even enter our minds, it says, the good things that God has planned beforehand to do in your life if you believe him and you trust him and you walk with him. You can't even picture it. But imagine sitting and talking to someone one day and they look at you and they're like, you did what? I didn't know that about you. you did, you've been through what in your life? See, you're just black and white story. But then you start talking about what God did and it starts adding color. That's why I love that song so much. It's like you should have seen it. If it looks like I didn't know what I was doing, you should have been there. I didn't have a freaking clue as to what I was doing. If it looked like I was scared, you should have seen it in color. This year, God is going to add some color. And it's good and it's beautiful. My encouragement to you is let it be. Look for it. Listen for it. Take a step to it. And then when you're sitting here next year and you look back, you can be like, dude, what a sick year. Look at what God did. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We love you. We trust you. We believe that the process you are doing in our lives is a, is a good one. And so we uh, want to kind of just uh, give ourselves to you, open ourselves up to you. Lord, would you receive this song that we're going to close with as just like a, an offering? It's an, it's an offering of praise we give to you. And then um, we'll just close with a short prayer after, Lord. We love you and we thank you. Amen. Amen.